0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Where We Are with Nina Zoe Porter. Your breakdown of all the key events in the world from the past seven days, all in one bite-sized podcast. For today's episode, here's what happened in the world this week. I won't that I've criticized Alexander Gregory. of course, because. Well, мне казалось, были для этого я всю жизнь был стал все больше больше The family of Belarusian journalist Roman Protashevich, who was arrested in Minsk last month after his flight to Lithuania was diverted, says he was coerced into making a confession on TV of organizing anti-government protests. In an interview broadcast on Thursday evening, Mr. Protashevich admitted to attempting to topple Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko and said he was speaking to the television channel by choice. He praised President Lukashenko and said although he criticized him a lot, he had begun to understand that he was doing the right thing and that he respected him. During the interview, marks were visible on Roman Protashevich's wrist. Human rights and opposition campaigners says he was tortured. At the end of the interview, he burst into tears and said he hoped one day to marry and have children. Thursday's interview was Mr Protashevich's third appearance on state television since he was detained. Advocacy group Human Rights Watch said the video was evidence of brutality by security forces. On the face of it, it looked like a normal TV interview. There was a studio, multiple cameras, fancy lighting, two chairs. But according to analysts and the circumstances in which it was being recorded, it is no regular conversation between interviewer and interviewee. Did they beat Roman? <sighs> yeah. Not in front of us, but we were afraid that they. How scared he was? Super scared. I saw, I looked at him directly into his eyes and it was very sad. We didn't get any information what happened, only what we find on the Roman Protashevik said he had agreed voluntarily to the interview. But campaigners, including his family, warn that he is not a free man and they warn that we should be wary of the programme's contents. They say that the authorities' aim is to discredit the opposition and protest movement. And next. Earlier this morning, this, uh, on the 4th of June, police arrested a 20-year-old male and a 36-year-old female for the offense of advertise or publicise an unauthorized assembly because they were found to have used the social media accounts to advertise or publicize a public meeting that have been prohibited by the police. As Beijing tightens its grip on Hong Kong, it has also restricted efforts to mark the anniversary of its military crackdown on June 4, 1989, just as it has long done on the mainland. People in Hong Kong are marking the 32nd anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre Macau and Hong Kong are the only places in China where people can commemorate the anniversary of the deadly crackdown by Chinese soldiers on pro-democracy demonstrators. But for the second year, authorities in Hong Kong have banned the annual vigil for the event. They cite the ongoing coronavirus pandemic for the restrictions. Officers closed off Victoria Park, where the annual vigil is normally held, and dispersed crowds who gathered with candles or their phone lights. The police on Friday arrested one of the vigil's organisers, Chao Huangtang. She previously spoke out about the importance of the vigil and freedom of speech. I mean, prison can take away your physical freedom. It can take away your freedom in your mind, in your heart, right? But you have to live your life outside, being submissive all the time. (laughs) Oh, I jail. <laughs> A museum dedicated to Tiananmen also suddenly closed on Wednesday, just two days before this year's anniversary, after authorities investigated it for lacking the necessary licences. Thousands defied last year's band on the vigil, knocking down barricades around Victoria Park. <laughs> This year's commemorations are far more constrained. The anniversary is the first since a new controversial security law was approved, aimed at ending the city's pro-democracy movement and criminalising dissent. The new security law passed in 2020 makes it easier to punish protesters and reduces Hong Kong's autonomy. In mainland China, authorities have banned even oblique references to the events of June 4th. Online, any discussion of the crackdown is strictly censored. Those wishing to remember, urge people to commemorate in other ways. And finally, This is actually a very big news, a big development right now in Nigeria, especially at a time where the country is faced with a lot of um, instability, challenges from insecurity to uh, politics to uh, uh, the, the economy. Uh, and this uh, development, this news of um, the government banning Twitter is, um, has actually met a lot of reactions, uh, mixed reactions from all sides. Nigeria's government is suspending Twitter's operations in the country indefinitely. The country's information minister has announced. The ban is due to the persistent use of the platform for activities capable of undermining Nigeria's corporate existence, a statement said. Twitter said the announcement on Friday was deeply concerning, and it comes just days after a tweet by President Mohamedou Buhari was removed for breaching the site's rules. The statement from the Nigerian government did not mention the row over the removed tweet, the information minister, Lai Mohamed, previously criticized the US social media giant's decision to take it down, calling it double standards. And it's clearly showing that actions cannot just happen without consequences. And Twitter, if you study their mode for the last two years, they have been more of an anti-Nigerian force pro destruction of Nigeria than actually a platform that's supposed to advocate for freedom of expression of Nigerians. The site removed a tweet sent by Nigeria's 78-year-old president on the 1st of June. It referred to the 1967-70 Nigerian Civil War and to treating those misbehaving today in the language they will understand. A Twitter spokesperson said at the time that the post was in violation of the Twitter rules. In a statement on Friday, the company, which announced its new African headquarters would be based in neighbouring Ghana last month, has said it was investigating and will provide updates when we know more about the Nigerian ban. Twitter was still working in Nigeria on Friday evening. The government gave no details of how the ban would work in practice or any explanation of how Twitter had undermined Nigeria's corporate existence. Its statement, which was released on Twitter, also revealing that the national broadcasting regulator NBC has been told to start the process of licensing all internet streaming services and social media operations in Nigeria. Osai Ojigo, director of Amnesty International Nigeria, condemned the announcement, saying this action is clearly inconsistent and incompatible with Nigeria's international obligations. We are calling on the Nigerian authorities to immediately reverse the unlawful suspension and other plans to gag the media, repress civic space and undermine Nigerians' human rights. So, you're all caught up. That's where we are in the world this week. Be sure to listen next week to stay up to date on the latest news around the world. Search Where We Are with Nina Porter on all podcast platforms and subscribe today to get new episodes first.